entering the Freedom Hut. A stunning and frightening assessment from the president's coronavirus response task force. We'll dive into those numbers, what it means for the weeks and months ahead. Plus, we know China lied, but to what extent and how bad is coronavirus in that nation? And who didn't tell us the truth about it here in this country, perhaps for fear of upsetting China? We'll get into that and more coming up. This This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America, you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. The answer is yes. We need as, as, as sobering a number as that is, we should be prepared for it. Is it going to be that much? I hope not. And I think the more we push on the mitigation, the less likelihood it would be that number. But as being realistic, we need to prepare ourselves that that is a possibility that that's what we will see. Very short period of time for that to happen. Right. Can the country handle that in such a short period of time within a couple of months? You know, 50,000 a month. You know, it will be difficult. I mean, no one is denying the fact that we are going through a very, very difficult time right now. I mean, we're seeing what's happening in New York. That is really, really tough. And if you extrapolate that to the nation, that will be really tough. But that's what it is, Jim. And we're going to have to be prepared for that. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everyone. Look, we're going to do what we always do. Deal with the facts as we know them to be. Try to speak the truth. Try to get to what really matters. There'll be no change in that during this period of quarantine, of national shutdown, of pandemic panic. We're going to keep doing what we do. The mission stays the same of this show, despite all of the challenges that are around us and and the fear that is rising and the sense that the government has been playing catch up all along. We need to be honest with ourselves about how the response has been from government at all levels, what could have changed, what could have been different, because it matters for how we deal with this going forward. Uh, There you had Dr. Fauci telling us, and I looked at the slide as they released it, and it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about how a week or two ago, the administration, we were told 15 days to stop the spread. 15 days to stop the spread, which led people to think myself among them that all right within 15 days we'll get close enough to where we need to be on personal protective measures and all the equipment that we can begin some lessening of some of these for the most essential really just the economic measures it's not going to change our social lives or anything like that and that would come with some risk but we would handle those risks and we would try to deal with this on a rolling basis that was where the that was where the administration was a week or two ago that changed as i told you on sunday they said we're going with lockdown till april 30th and i remember thinking how did we go from 15 days to another 30 days in the blink of an eye what could they have learned what could have changed so dramatically and it's now this it's this chart uh you know the the Assessments that I had seen, you, you would, you've seen assessments of total deaths from coronavirus in the United States over the course of the first wave of this pandemic. I had seen online, and look, there's a ton of stuff out there, anywhere from 50,000-ish, which is about 
what you'd see. That's a pretty, that's a bad but mid-level bad flu season of additional casualties uh, to what we have from the flu, all the way up to the absolute peak of 1% of all U.S. population, essentially, which would be between 2 and 3 million, right? So that was the range we're working with. And in recent weeks, it had seemed like the administration, because we're doing all these measures, we're getting all this gear, we have some treatments that are not yet working, but we are hopeful will work, we would switch to a more state-by-state strategy and we would have some, we would get some of America back to work. That was the plan a week ago. I mean, you know, the president with that line, let's not let the cure be worse than the disease. Well, what does that mean? It means let's not let the shutdown cause more devastation and destruction than the actual virus. We went from that a week ago to yesterday being told at this press conference, uh, at the task force press conference, that we should expect 100,000 to a quarter million dead, even with this full-on draconian lockdown situation in effect in so many states now. Really, all the most populous states have uh, some version of, of lockdown, stay-at-home orders. It's, there's some differentiation, but we also all, all know that the CDC guidance is stay away from people, stay home, don't do anything if you can avoid it. And, oh, by the way, this virus is much more contagious, not quite as lethal as the initial assessments, but much more contagious and substantially lethal, and for the medical community also more unpredictable than we had been led to believe more unpredictable in the way that this disease would go. People think that their doctors have been anecdotally calling in and saying, uh, you know, telling different news stations and giving interviews where they say, I thought the patient was getting better. And then within a matter of hours was gone. That's what's keeping so many people on on uh, on edge right now about this whole situation. We just don't know. We don't have good answers about so much of what's going on. And we're losing uh, a lot of Americans now. I would note that the comparison that I'm seeing now about how we've lost more people to coronavirus than than lost to 9-11. We lose more. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a this is like the flu person. OK, I, I haven't been, but I, particularly now, I mean, this is worse than the flu. OK, it's worse than the flu as we're used to dealing with it. Obviously, the Spanish influenza pandemic was horrific, but we haven't dealt with anything like this um, in in 100 years. We, we haven't. We haven't seen anything like this in 100 years. This is a, this is a 100 year virus storm that we are going through. OK, but it feels like so much of this information that's coming forward from the government level is is new. Why? Why is it new? Shouldn't we have known this? And I will get into a lot of the rewriting of history now from pe- people are frantically rewriting history all over the media saying that they, they knew, they saw it. And of course, Trump's a moron. He didn't see it. This is what you're hearing from everybody. Um, it's not true. And there's evidence. I mean, fortunately, you can look online. You know, I, I sit here and I start from the premise of, of initial, everyday honesty with you that this is worse than I expected. It is worse than I expected. And I'm here in New York City, very close to, in terms of physical distance, the worst of it, but also I know people that are dealing with this every day, and I'm dealing with it just as, the, as a person in the midst of the quarantine zone with the precautions. Every time I go out to, to get food, I can't get food delivered. People say have food, I can't get groceries delivered. It's been impossible. 
I got to go out. I got to get groceries. Every time you touch a, a button, forget about just touching. Now you walk into an elevator and you think, am I breathing in this virus? You think that that wouldn't be the case, right? Because we had been told that this is about contact. This is about touch. And yet now they're saying maybe maybe everybody should wear masks in public. Oh, only how many weeks, how many months into this? And we're figuring out that what is what has been a much more widespread practice in Asia for years of people during the season wearing a face a face mask of some kind. Maybe that was better for us. My friends, we have been failed by the experts at every level on this. I'm here to tell you that we've been failed by the media. We've been failed by journalists. We've been failed by epidemic uh, task forces and the epidemiologists. Worst of all, we've been intentionally failed. Those were good faith errors for the most part, with, not with journalists necessarily, but with the other. You know, the FDA is a slow lumbering giant, does not move quickly. Same with the CDC. It's not that people there didn't want to help. Their organizational structure just wasn't up to it. China's, uh, China's shortcomings here are malicious. They're intentional, the Chinese Communist Party, and it's, it's much worse than we had even thought before. So I will get into, I will get into that uh, today on the show. But I'm, I'm a little bit stunned by how much all of the people that are telling us to trust them now and do everything that they say how much they have gotten wrong. And I will I will walk through that with you. And I can only base my assessments. I, I don't have a a network of epidemiologists in, in Wuhan, China that I can speak to or, you know, I, I'm just going with what is reported on all of this all along. And we have been failed here by institutions. We need to understand that. And some of you, I'm sure, feel like institutions are failing us additionally by putting in place for all these different states these economic uh, these economic sanctions effectively I mean these economic shutdowns in order to deal with this virus in a way that perhaps is not worth the long-term economic cost if certain states certain counties that don't have a high level of virus took basic precautions but also allowed there to be more commerce and more business underway which would give people a greater sense of normalcy across the country. Although right now, if you even bring this up, you're a monster. As I've said, if you talk, if you try to say we need to be looking at risk at every step of this, because if we make the wrong calls here, the devastation to the country overall, to our future, could become insurmountable. So this is a very important time in this nation's history. And yet we're being told, shut up, do what you're told. The experts know what they're doing. And I, I don't just mean the, the experts on health. I mean the economic experts, the government experts. They know what they're doing. I mean, Trump, they say, is a moron. But everybody else in the bureaucracy or, or the, the expert class, really, of you know, economists, politicians, and, and some within the medical community, they say that they know what to do. Really? Well, let's, let's get into some of that today. But before I go there, I also need to say, you know, the, the motto of this show for now, I can't even count how many years, going on a decade, has been Shields High, a reference to the phalanx in ancient Greece, notably when I would talk about ancient Greek warfare, hoplite warfare, uh, where 
you would have people in the phalanx with a hoplon shield. That's where the term hoplite comes from, the, a large round shield, and they would interlock their shields, and they would have to hold them at shoulder height, shields high. And that was how you fought, and that was how you not only defended yourself, but you defended the person next to you. Uh, the concept of phalanx, I mean, phalanx warfare in, in different iterations really continued throughout history for many, many centuries after ancient Greece. The ancient Romans used it. And then even later on, there were uh, there was pike warfare uh, or pike units that used very long spears, interlocking spears as a defense against cavalry charge. So conversation, perhaps that's history that I've been thinking about lately for for another time. But we are in for a very, very difficult period here. And it's one that we did not get sufficient warning about. I don't have any masks in my home. You know why? Because I figured they're telling us not to take masks off the market because first responders need them. And now I'm looking around and people are saying increasingly, well, you know, you probably should have some masks. Oh, so I listened to the experts and now I'm one of the I'm one of the chumps that doesn't have a mask, it seems. Right. I mean, this is this is the thought process. I'm not just talking about me. This is for everybody now. Oh, all right. You know, now we're in quarantine. So if this happened and you had, you know, your your I, I don't have a second home. I barely have a home. But if you have some home in the country, a cabin in the woods and you went to it, you're in much better shape now. You know, we were told, don't worry about it. We were told by de Blasio here in New York, go out, go to crowds, spend money, go to restaurants. People have been top to bottom catastrophic with this. And I see so much finger pointing and running around. You did this and you did that. I follow the left and the right constantly all day long in media. Nobody really knew how bad this was going to be and what it would do to the country. No one with a platform big enough to influence the rest of the nation. There was so much focus. Yeah, they're saying it's bad, it's bad, but it was always it's bad and Trump is the problem. And that made people tune out. Nobody was saying a month ago, hey, if this runs through the United States without anybody taking mitigation measures, it's going to kill two million people. Now, I know people have problems also. I've seen this with the modeling. Are they using New York as a baseline for the rest of the country? Because that would seem from a statistical standpoint to be very, very poor thinking. New York is the most crowded and largest metropolitan area in the United States, a place I know very, very well. I mean, I, I, I understand when you look at the spread of the disease here in the city, we are packed on top of each other walking on the street. I often brush up shoulders against people. That's how close you are here. Every day to strangers, hundreds and thousands of them all the time. You don't have that in most of the country. Even in a place like Washington, D.C., the streets are practically empty all the time compared to New York. The metro has far fewer people on it. It's a fraction. Right? So, and I mean, these are two places I've lived in. Now we're being told a, a week ago it was we might have to go back to work. We might have to make some trade-offs. And even Fauci was saying, you know, we got to avoid a rebound. But there was... And then all of a sudden they crunched the numbers. They said, nope, lockdown, lockdown, or, 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 or there's going to be so much death, it'll be overwhelming. And anybody who now looks at this and says, wait a second, why didn't we know about this weeks ago? They, they weren't able to do this modeling. Oof, my friends, this is a period of time where we have to do as much of our own thinking and be willing to, to question authority as much as we ever have. But first, we have to get ready for what is coming in the weeks ahead. I'll get to that. You're in the Freedom Hut. 
This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. We're going to go through a very tough two weeks. And then hopefully, as the experts are predicting, as I think a lot of us are predicting after having studied it so hard, you're going to start seeing some real light at the end of the tunnel. But this is going to be a very painful, very, very painful two weeks. A very, very painful two weeks. This is from the president, folks. He's seen all the all the projections now. He has been speaking with his team, with his team of, of experts in this field. And they've gone for maximum closure of the United States in response to what they've seen. Now, is this, is this the right move? If they're, really, if they're correct, if we really are facing hundreds of thousands of dead, well, what, other, what other move, I guess, do you have? Anyone who says, even relaxing this a little bit, the media, the libs, the left, and a lot of Republicans want to just chop your head off right away. How dare you? People are dying. Okay. That's that's fine. We no one wants people to die. We also want the country to live. Right. We also want there to be a society going forward. And that's where some of the tension is. That's what Trump talked about with the trade offs. But nope, if we're really talking about hundreds of thousands of people, that's that's quite clear, isn't it? We're going to have this shutdown and there's not going to really be any discussion about it. This is getting troubling as well, because there's not going to be a discussion about civil liberties, about the Constitution, about. Um, what the government is able to do now. I took it as particularly ominous that former President Barack Obama brought up yesterday climate change. Really, right now, we've got news channels with body count tickers at the bottom of the screen, and you're going to talk about climate change now. Wow. Oh, but remember what the appeal of climate change has been all along for the left is total domination and control of society with an existential hook to it. The world is at risk. You can't, you can't compete with the world is at risk. That's what they say. That's what they, that's what they use against you. Well, now, guess what? The world is, according to these calculations, at risk. It's at risk from the virus. It's at risk of economic collapse. Do you think that they're going to try to use that for their own expansion of power and authority? And are they, are they really going to just give it back? You know, to, to borrow from... Gladiator, when Marcus Aurelius wants to hand over the keys to Rome and then he's just going to give it back. Do you think that that's what the left is going to do now? Yeah, I don't think so. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Since I messed up that quote a little bit, it's actually from Senator Gracchus who says, so after Rome's all yours... You'll just give it back to the people. Tell me why, Maximus. Because that was a dying man's last wish, Maximus says. Gladiator is a great movie. If you're looking for a movie to escape all this nonsense, you really can't go wrong with Gladiator. So, oh, that's uh, just, I wish I could just turn on Gladiator these days and not have to think about all these things. But here we are, friends, we are in a, we are in a very, very tough spot as a country. And even if this isn't affecting your area, your county, perhaps even your state all that much, because of what it's doing in other parts of the country, it's dra- we're, we're all dragged into this. We're all in the midst of dealing with this disaster, which just keeps, it keeps getting worse. We really haven't gotten any good news in quite a while. And it, it is not confidence-inspiring at all that a week ago... 
it seemed like we were moving toward some restoration of economic activity. That's not normalcy. That's not, hey, let's throw house parties and forget and not protect vulnerable populations. But there seemed to be an elevated, uh, elevated uh, risk acceptance as a trade-off with economic activity. That's what we were talking about. That's what the administration was saying. And then it's just a complete about face. And now the president ends up telling us things like uh, like this. Um, he's telling us that this is going to be really tough. Play clip six. As a nation, we face a difficult few weeks as we approach that that really important day when we're going to see things get better all of a sudden. And it's going to be like a burst of light, I really think and I hope. Our strength will be tested and our endurance will be tried. But America will answer with love and courage and ironclad resolve. This is the time for all Americans to come together and do our part. This is the time for all Americans to come together and do our part. This is the time for all of us to try and rally and and show our our best selves. That much is true. Where did we where did we go wrong, though, in the run up to this? We are a country of unprecedented wealth. We are a country of unbelievable material capacity, uh, instantaneous communication in everyone's hands. And we went in the span of a month from this won't be a big deal. And by the, the people that are saying that they knew, I mean, n- no one who had the attention of the nation a month ago was saying that this was going to shut down the country right now indefinitely. No one was saying that. All right. I, 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 all I do is watch and read and listen. And that was not the position. In fact, there were a lot of people who were taking the position even three weeks ago that this was meh, nothing. This was nothing. I had people writing in to me um, from the WOR show that I do here in New York City uh, who were saying, you're sounding very negative right now. You shouldn't sound so negative. Well, if you're in New York and three weeks ago you, th- you thought I was sounding too negative, you probably think right now I don't sound negative enough. Things have gotten very, very bad here. So what do we do about all of this is a big question um, before I get too far down that pathway. I, I do want to start, though, with how did we get here? You know, we have a lot of time to think about this. We have a lot of uh, just sitting around and not seeing family. I mean, I, I haven't been able to see my parents in weeks. You know, we have not been able to we're, we're not able to communicate in person with loved ones. Social life, that's a, a thing that doesn't really exist. I, I saw a very, I will say, a pretty funny tweet from somebody. I don't remember who it was, but it was I wish I developed a hobby other than going out to eat. That's how I feel, too. Uh, You know, between going out to eat and reading, the problem with reading as your only hobby is I read all day for work. So then to read all day for work and then lie down and start reading even more on your own, it can feel a little bit like, is this all that I do? Um, But I want to see how it is that we got to this uh, to this point. You are are, and and also then I'm going to have to deal with some of the lying that you're going to hear because People view this as a fight for power and a fight for status in society in the media. That's what they're that's what they're going to treat this as. It's used against the Trump administration. Clearly, I mean, this is the political thermonuclear weapon that the Democrats have been waiting for. 
they've tried to create other circumstances and, you know, try to try to bring about a situation that would end the Trump presidency. This goes bad. The Trump presidency is over. Unfortunately, if this goes really bad and I'm not a catastrophist and you know that I keep saying, well, be positive about this. um, But this could end more than just the Trump presidency if this goes really badly. We all know we all should know that at least. I, I feel like we all should be able to have. Uh, you know, adult conversations as a nation. It's very hard these days because if you say things like, hey, uh, so when we get through the other side of the curve and we're probably still not going to have some drug that's a miracle for this, we're probably we're definitely not going to have a vaccine. What, what do we, so do we start relaxing some of these procedures then to allow more economic activity in say May or June or July? Is the person that gives that call then that says, "Okay, we're going to do we're going to go back to work, America, at least in some places, in some ways. Is that person going to be called the murderer? The answer is yes. If it's a Republican, by the way, the moment that somebody says, hey, okay, we've got to try a return to some normalcy here. They're telling you, oh, we'll get on the other side of the curve and we'll have more things under control and we'll have better, you know, all this other stuff. Okay, sort of. Uh, you know, sort of we won't have to worry about overwhelmed hospitals. But unfortunately, the way this disease goes for a lot of people, it's not like you get on a ventilator and that's a, a, a great, tr- a great treatment. That's a last ditch effort to keep somebody alive. A lot of people pass away even though they're on the ventilator. So we're still taking risk. We're still taking risk to life and limb by opening up the economy. Is anyone going to be able to give that order Without meaning, you know, hey, we're going to start going back to normal without being called a monster. Well, I can tell you this, uh, any Republican, especially at the Trump administration, but any Republican governor, mayor, not a lot of Republican mayors running around for big cities, but uh, who says, "Okay, let's let's try to open things up. It's they're committing political suicide and they know it. So that means it's very hard to have a reasonable discussion about any of this. How did we get to this point? The role of China cannot, cannot be overstated at this point when you look at the outbreak and the inability not just to contain it, but also to allow other people to prepare for it. Here's what I think really tipped the scale, because the projections, the scary projections about what's going on with the economy, I'm sorry, what's going on with with the death rate, never mind the economy. Uh, that's the that's the way we're looking at this right now. The scary projections on death rate were weeks ago out there. And you had this Imperial College study. I think that was maybe two weeks ago. And that was the one that said that we had so many people that would that would possibly die in this country and in the UK. All right. But that was out there. And then even a, even last week, the Trump administration was thinking about opening things up. And, and I figured, OK, well, They must see that this isn't we've got this mostly under control. We can take some additional risk. We got to get people back to work. And then then the latest information was, oh, no, we can't do that. That's a horrible idea. Uh, A lot of people are at risk. A lot more people are at risk than than was anticipated by that. So we are in full on lockdown mode for another 30 days. That's a huge switch in one week. I mean, this is what what does the government do? The government just looking at this. Nobody cares about climate change. You know that we, we uh, put out a bounty for the leader of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro? We put out a bounty on the guy. 
like an old West, you know, bring him in, not dead or alive, but, you know, bring him in as a narco trafficker. This guy's the president of Venezuela. I mean, people would say Guaido, but, uh, you know, Maduro is the leader of Venezuela. No one even noticed. How many of you even knew that? I mean, I read the news all day long, so I saw this, but I mean, even I, have I even brought it up before now? We've, we've put a bounty on the, on the leader of a foreign head of state as a criminal, and no one even paid any attention to it. So what I'm saying is that the government is only really focused, or rather the, the vast bulk of government effort and attention is focused in on this problem. It's not like the possible death rate from COVID-19 would slip through the cracks. So what was the game changer here? What shifted the course of this such that we're now being told it's locked down. And my friends, it's not locked down for 30 more days. It's locked down for at least another 60. I mean, if you look at the models, their trend doesn't really come down until July. So it's locked down for a long time. And we're all being told the economy will just flip right back on like a switch. Just come. The government will pay you. The economy will flip right back on. I don't believe that, but I also am getting sick of being told that just bringing that up as a concern means that you're, you know, you're basically a mass murderer. Okay, I mean, we're just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I would like to think of ways that we could try to keep people alive and avoid a depression, but that, that now makes you, makes you a very, very bad person according to the consensus narrative of journalists who are the dumbest and worst people in the world. But how did we get to this point where we would have such a massive shift in our thinking on this? China. The answer is China, not what they have been telling us, what they haven't been telling us. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Um, When you talk about could we have known something different? You know, I think all of us, I mean, I was overseas when this happened in Africa. And I think when you looked at the China data originally and you said, oh, well, there's 80 million people or 20 million people in Wuhan and 80 million people in Hubei, and they come up with a number of 50,000, you start thinking of this more like SARS than you do this kind of global pandemic. I mean, I'll just be frank, that's when I looked at it, I was like, oh, well, this is not, you know, if as close as those quarters are, you know. So I think the medical community made, interpreted the Chinese data as that this was serious, but smaller than anyone expected because I think probably we were missing a significant amount of the data now that when we see what happened to Italy and we see what happened to Spain. My friends, Chinese government lied about this, which had huge ramifications. I mean, here's the top expert, one of the people that even um, liberals who are still deranged with their hatred of Trump and focus on that more than really anything else right now, Here's a top expert saying that she looked at this, she looked at the data, and it was uh, her conclusion was wrong. So I'm here telling you that I also, based on what I was seeing and hearing, I, I thought that it would be like SARS as well. I mean, not that I have the expertise that she does, but I thought it would be one of these moments where we have a respiratory scare. There'd be some cases here or there, but it would it would not be anything like we're dealing with now. And that shutting down the economy when this is happening. Uh, would be, you know, the cure would be worse than the disease, what the president said. But no, now we're now we're actually looking at a disease that's far beyond in terms of the losses and the casualties, what we thought even even a week or two ago. How, how did that happen? 
Ah, because now we start to have more information about what really happened in China. Because you have to remember, if the Chinese, with their very rapidly produced uh, field hospitals on this matter and all the rest of it and their lockdowns and everything, but China is a, a densely populated country of one billion people. And when you look at the numbers, they claim that they only had 2,500 deaths in Wuhan. 2,500 deaths. The real number based upon, and this is where the, the data has been essentially smuggled out now, uh, and this is how they're estimating this, there are 84 furnaces with a capacity over 24 hours of 1,560 urns citywide, assuming one cremation takes one hour. They told, so they're looking at the cremation data from funeral homes. And when you do that, the number, and this is just in Wuhan, this isn't overall in the rest of China. When you do that, the death rate in Wuhan isn't 2,500, it's about 50,000. You're going up 20x what the Chinese government had been telling the world for weeks. You know, if you tell me that we're facing something similar to the flu and we'll have about the same casualty rate, you know, then it's it's possible to have a conversation about, well, how soon, you know, how many weeks before we can you know, maybe we do this lockdown, let them get ahead. But if you're telling me that it's going to kill 20 times as many people as the flu, which is what we're now being told. If you're going to tell me it kills 20 times as many people as the flu, well, that's a dramatically different calculation. And we're just being presented with this now. My friends, it is April 1st. We are in April. The first U.S. case of this was January 15th. This has been dragging along for months. So when people tell you, and I've been saying this, just listen to the experts. Everybody at every level of this has gotten some of it wrong, and most of the people with the greatest authority and the biggest megaphones have gotten it very wrong. Let's just get this out of our systems now. Let's just be, be clear about this. Because we want to make better decisions in the future. I want to make better decisions. I'm going to tell you the truth. I have been mercilessly on my own here beating myself up because I feel like I should have seen this coming more and been able to tell all of you with greater certainty how bad this was going to be. I'm mad at myself because of this. And I know, yeah, Deborah Burks and the people that actually study this. I'm just some guy. I'm just some some ex Intel analyst who does a pretty damn good radio show. But. I, you know, I don't have any special insider expertise in, into the issue of pandemics, although I did read a book on pandemics a few years ago, which now everyone's talking about all the time. So I got that going for me. But no, honestly, though, I mean, I'm using a little bit of self-deprecation here to defray from what makes me what makes me mad at myself. Uh, but I'm, I'm angry that I didn't see this coming. And I can't imagine people in the U.S. government, top to bottom, aren't also angry, even though the information was bad, even though it's garbage in and garbage out. I should have seen this coming. They damn sure should have seen this coming. And I mean that in all the agencies, all the experts, every level of government, failure, failure, failure. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where did the virus carrying bats come from? And the paper says this, quote, we screened the area around the market and identified two laboratories conducting research on bat coronavirus. 
Within a few hundred yards of the wet market was something called the Wuhan Center for Disease Control and Prevention. According to public reports, the center used intermediate horseshoe bats for research. Then about seven miles away was another facility. This one was called the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The Virology Institute also conducted research on intermediate horseshoe bats, the ones that were not sold at the wet market. South China University scientists concluded that the coronavirus pandemic, the one that people are dying from here, likely came from one of these two government labs in Wuhan. They noticed that a scientist at the Wuhan Center for Disease Control and Prevention had been exposed to the blood and urine of horseshoe bats. They also suggested that infected tissue samples from research animals may have wound up in the Wuhan wet market. Tucker Carlson is doing some of the most important commentary on TV these days during this time when journalists, when the news should be really powerful and really matter. Tucker's thoughts are mattering. Tucker's thoughts are worthwhile. A lot of the other stuff you're hearing is just complete just either repetitious or it's worthless garbage. Oh, the Navy ship's never going to arrive in New York. Yeah, MSNBC? I looked at it when it did arrive two days ago. So there we have it. But let's get into this situation with China here. I I believe, and look, you, you won't really be able to tell me if I'm right or wrong about this for years. So this is one of these predictions where I'll tell some of you, hopefully you'll still be listening. Hopefully we'll have millions of people listening to this show in years. And... I'll I'll tell you that I said this. People will look back at this as the beginning of the great struggle between the U.S. and China for global hegemony. And it's going to bring us very close. I'm not saying in a year. I'm not even saying in next two or three years, next five to ten years. It's going to bring us very close to a shooting war with China. Because the Chinese Communist Party is not going to go down without a fight. And because this now shows us that what happens in China is not in any way cordoned off from the rest of the world in a whole bunch of contexts. You know, they've been engaged in this in this uh, unceasing theft of intellectual property from the United States for decades now. And we've been trying to help them. Our approach has been, let's make a better, more prosperous, happier, healthier China in every way that we can. Let's be good neighbors. That's always America's view, right? Let's try to be good neighbors when we can. Sometimes we have to invade places and there's bombs dropped. And I understand that. But with China, we were trying to do right by the Chinese government and be good trade partners and all the rest of it. What China's done is, yeah, they've sold us a lot of cheap stuff to make the make their own country a lot wealthier, but they've also been stealing intellectual property and engaged in really nefarious activity for a long time. Okay, Tucker got into the situation of the virus. Uh, there are there are two. Now, now this is this, uh, you know, you know where I've been on this. I keep saying I can't prove it. I can't prove it. But let's look at the facts as we know them. There are two institutes of virology or infectious disease study that are a stone's throw away from this wet market in Wuhan. Okay, so you have these two facilities. The disease, this is according to Chinese research, okay, the disease that we now are are dealing with and that has shut down the economy, it's a reason that a lot of us are just looking around like, how are we in this global nightmare? People keep saying, I'm going to go somewhere Okay, you better get way off the grid because this is everywhere. It's in every country. It's in every state. And, you know, you never know when someone's coughing if it's an allergy or if it's this. But the the bat, the specific species of bat that it is believed to have been the initial uh, the initial animal reservoir for this virus. And then you have zoonotic transmission. It comes from the animal to people. Uh, but the specific uh, virus here 
is in a kind of bat, the intermediate. Gosh, I can't remember what it is. Intermediate something bat. Mark, do you remember what kind of bat? There's there's actually hundreds of types of bats. I think there might even be more, more than that. But there's a lot of bat species. Horseshoe bat. There we go. Intermediate horseshoe bat, which is the scariest looking little thing you could ever find. I mean, that little, ooh. You, know, you wouldn't want to see that thing hanging upside down in your closet late at night trying to go in there and grab a sleeping cap, right? That would not be good. But this intermediate horseshoe bat that's supposed to be the animal reservoir for this virus, didn't, they didn't have any of them. They didn't sell them. That wasn't a species that they would have had within, within hours. There's no colony of them within hours of, uh, you know, a natural colony within hours of the market itself. I think they said last night 900 kilometers. That, that, that's a pretty... Now, granted, they bring in animals, they bring in tigers, and they, they bring in things from all over the world, but you're, you're, you're bringing in a bat that's not a native species to the area. There are a lot of bats that are, so you got to... Unless somebody thinks that like the intermediate horseshoe bat just tastes so much better in the soup, I, and that might be possible. I've never had bat soup. I don't know. But it seems fishy. Doesn't it seems a bit strange that you'd have the intermediate horseshoe bat not living within 500 miles or so. I mean, that's a bad that's a rough calculation, but whatever, whatever 900 kilometers is, it's like six or seven hundred hundred niner. If I could you know, read a 10K and do math, I probably wouldn't be working media. So a little bit of honesty there. But uh, here's the. Uh, here's the truth. You look at the species of bat and you say, hold on a second. They don't have any near there. And they were studying those bats in these two uh, virology institutes, whatever they're called specifically, these two infectious disease institutions, one of which at least is known to have released viruses that it was studying in the past into the general population. So that's already happened. Now, I don't think... I don't think that China intentionally let this thing out. Not yet. I mean, you know, maybe down the line they were thinking about it. But now that we see how this works, now that we see the reality here, imagine the imagine the strategic advantage the biological warfare agent would give you because this is a weapon that could be completely now I to be clear, I do not think that the Chinese did this purposefully. I do think, well, I know that it came from China, obviously, and I do think there's a high possibility, maybe even now at probability, that it came from, that it was being studied and got out of one of these labs, which would also explain at some level the completely uh, corrupt and insanely irresponsible approach of the Chinese government. It's one thing if you have a virus that pops up somewhere, okay, you know, we didn't know how bad it was. But if the virus is the result of your faulty government labs, think about the, I mean, not that the Chinese people could sue the Chinese government, think about the liability there. Think about how the international community might be able to turn to China and demand virus reparations. That, that's a real thing that could happen at some point. We may say, okay, China, you know, you get to pay for the trillions of dollars that you have just ev- evaporated of global wealth here. You know, they're not going to have the trillions to pay, but they got to pay something, right? That I'm just saying this could happen in the future if it were so clearly 
not just something that originated in China, but were the fault of the Chinese government, which seems to be increasingly likely to have been the case. But now look at this from a biological weapons perspective. We see what this is doing to our country. It's tearing us apart. It's ripping down our economy. It's killing thousands and thousands of our fellow Americans. It's overwhelming our hospitals. Not a shot fired. Not a shot fired. If a country, let's say, had the Wuhan virus, had COVID-19, and also had studied to the point where they knew what, suppression, what suppressive measures would work, and they released this. And again, this is I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm wargaming why a country would want to study and prepare to weaponize this kind of virus. If you could release this into a foreign government population and keep it under wraps and have your own population protected because you know either what the necessary intervention is or, you know, perhaps even what the cure is or you could even do inoculations for government officials just tell them it's for something else and this wouldn't be that hard to do uh, especially in a country like china where it's, it's authoritarian it's totalitarian so they make all government officials police military get inoculated and they keep the and they say it's for something else or they say it's a standard inoculation you know the party can give those orders and then they when people start showing up in their emergency rooms the government you know mandates a protocol for them even if the country that you had uh, you had unleashed this in, which is as simple as just sending a few infected people. Very straightforward, right? How you how you would weaponize it in terms of dispersal, even if you you did that. Then when your own population, it would bounce back and people say this is why they would never. This is why you don't want to weaponize a virus. Well, what if the state facilities have the treatment and, you know, their their fatality rate instead of being. Uh, what it looks like this is, which is, you know, one percent, but particularly high for older people. Let's say they had even elevated the fatality through continued engineering of the virus. So it was like a 50 percent fatality rate. I mean, now I'm talking about a wep straight up weaponization of a virus. But you can bring that down to one percent for your own population. Think about what that does. You'll kill perhaps a few million of the enemy before they even realize what's going on. Their economy will be in tatters. Their society will be ground into dust. And, you know, you you basically are able to just keep on fighting, keep on going. This we're, we're running, in a sense, a precursor experiment to that right now. We're seeing what happens. And I do think that we need to take very seriously the prospect of the, of the Chinese government being responsible for this through recklessness, not through intentional transmission. Uh, I, I do not think the Chinese government would try to infect its own population with this or would, would risk that knowing that they would not really be able to control it. That doesn't make sense. But Tucker talked about this last night on his show, basing it on Chinese research that's already out there. What part of this is not credible? I mean, that's one way that as a former intel officer, I'd like to ask, I always ask that question. Why doesn't the story hold up? Don't tell me what we don't know. Tell me what's wrong about what we already know. I, I can't come up with anything yet. We know the Chinese government lied about it. We know the Chinese government was willing to put everybody at substantially greater risk. So what do we do about all of this? It's a question nobody has an answer for right now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We do not know the origin of this virus. We know where the outbreak first began. It was Wuhan. 
And you're right. There is a level four biomedical research, the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that's just a few miles away. That is the level four is the highest level of security. We know that at that facility, they were researching highly, highly infectious diseases, including coronaviruses, including coronaviruses that derive from bats. Um, and so they're researching the exact same type of disease that became this pandemic. Um, and it is a natural question to ask. There had been multiple stories written in the global media about how the security protocols at this Wuhan Institute were lacking, that they weren't very good, that, that this is, you know, this is a, the sort of place you see in the movies where people go in in the hazmat suits and it's all, you know, sealed off and, and, and because there are exceptionally dangerous diseases there. And, and there is a very natural question to ask of, well, did somebody make a mistake? Were they studying this virus and did it escape accidentally? And, and, and is that part of why the communist government in China tried so hard to cover, the, cover this up? I'm with Ted Cruz on this one. I didn't know that that was his opinion until today, but that's been my feeling on this all along. Wouldn't that make sense then? If you're the Communist Party, you recognize not only are you going to have to deal with the ire. Look, disease can happen anywhere, right? I mean, no one no one blames Lyme, Connecticut for Lyme disease. And just because that's the first place where they figured out what this was, the disease carried by deer ticks. You know, no one blames, you know, you know West, the West Nile area for West Nile virus. It's not about that. But this is different than that. This isn't the place of discovery for something that just, you know, an accident of nature that, that occurred that we're now dealing with. This is a government entity that lied about this because of its incompetence, which goes to a whole other level here. Um, and also under and also explains why their propaganda has been so aggressive. But, yeah, if, if I if I had gotten reports, if I had known, let's say a month ago that they're saying 50,000, I mean, maybe it's more like 75 or 100,000 dead in, in Wuhan in one city from this one from this virus. If that's what we were dealing with, I think everybody would have figured out real fast that this is something that we have to take very seriously and that this isn't you know with the flu we do the stiff upper lip we push through we take the best care of vulnerable populations we can but we know that people people get sick and people do die tens of thousands a year from the flu so the thinking understandably at the early stages of this was well the, based on the numbers we're seeing it's going to be kind of more like the flu so we're going to have to just do our best but we you know we, we should probably move forward right <gasps> no that just went that just got chopped like with a guillotine in the last really in the last 72 hours i mean it's been building for the last week or two but the last 72 hours all of a sudden there's nobody now in the trump administration who's saying anything other than yep shut it down shut everything down so what a what what a, a stunning circumstance and also i want to talk to you about the some of the organizations here that were wrong about this and it's not this isn't a like Let's just go joyride in the wreckage of international institutions and various global news brands uh, credibility. This is let's do an accounting for what's really true here. I mean, I, I've told you that I'm I'm upset that I didn't see this coming more. And I saw it coming more than some people. But I didn't know it was going to be this. I knew it was going to be serious. I didn't know it was going to be locked down the country indefinitely. And maybe just, you know, we light our economy on fire because we have no choice. I didn't know it was going to be that serious. But this is where I have to tell you, we're going to get through this. We're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. I promise. It's all going to be, I mean, when I say everything's going to be fine, it's going to be tough. We're going to take losses. And, but 
we will have days when we can finally go back. You know, I, I miss being able to do a lot of impersonations on this show. I, I miss being able to joke around more. I, I feel like I'm stuck in this one mode, and there's so many other things that I want to talk to you all about, and that's why I've been working to try to do some separate projects from this. But I just, I don't want to be, I, you know, I, I can't sit here and do, you know, Hong Kong clown stuff as much as I do enjoy that sometimes while we're going through this. So I, I hope you all understand and appreciate that. It's not, it's, and it's not that I'm trying to make anyone's day harder or whatever. This, this for me, there's a, there's a catharsis, a catharsis, tough word to say sometimes, a catharsis of daily truth diving that I can do with all of you. And I, I find that really helpful. I, I find some comfort in waking up every day and knowing that I get to learn as much as I can about what's happening use all the resources at my disposal, all the sources that I have, and then present you with the biggest, best version of the truth that I can, and then have your feedback to me through roll call and however else you reach out, and and know that we're in this constant dialogue about what's really going on. Because if you were, if you, and I'm going to do some of it now, when you catalog what has been said out there and what the people that we were depending on to get this right what they have been saying, what they have been doing uh, all along, you will have a very different view of what it means to, quote, listen to the experts. Listen to experts, but always judge what the expertise they're giving you really is. You know, always judge what the advice is they're handing out. And I'll go through some of where those shortcomings have been. But man, I look forward to the day when I can do, you know, silly Bernie voices and all those things. It'll it'll be here sooner than we realize, but right now it's it's tough to get into that headspace, friends. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's shameful. I mean, for the United States to be race baiting a virus which never has a flag, can't have a flag. As, as being the provenance of, of one country is designed to be divisive. It's designed to stigmatize people of Asian descent. And it's certainly not the way the leadership of the United States, the Secretary of State, the President of the United States ought to be behaving in the best of times, but certainly not in a crisis. So that's the former National Security Advisor under Barack Obama, Susan Rice. And she is saying here, that calling it the Wuhan virus is racist. Now, this is just in, this is on its on its own a dumb thing to say. We keep coming up against this, and and I've refrained from doing this. This is kind of the the, the petty partisan squabbles that I often talk about, and, and you know talk about trying to avoid, I should say, and try to avoid talking about them. But this is the usual. Oh, don't call it that. It's racist to call it that. And there's a lot of virtue signaling and a lot of other nonsense that's going on right now around that. Calling it the Wuhan virus is not racist, okay? The way that we talk about different places, uh, different diseases coming from different places has nothing to do with race. We all know that. The people of Lyme, Connecticut are not all, all upset that it's called Lyme disease. This is just not something that, not something that we, ha- we should have to deal with. And, and also, I, I think that the, there, there's a, a, um, an effort to rewrite history that's going on right now that we cannot allow, we cannot allow it to happen. But... Put aside for a second the stupid comment that this is racist. And, and I will say, notice how much less talk we have had, how much less we have heard recently about using the preferred pronouns, right? Notice how much less we've heard about 
misgendering. Those, when we used to say that this was an absurdity and that society was just collapsing in on itself in terms of the culture being beyond anyone's even, even comprehension about what you're supposed to say or allowed to say, those are the squabbles of a society with unprecedented freedom and wealth and happiness everywhere. When you're able to sit around and worry about being misgendered or worried about these things, you're dealing with well, whatever you think of that, whatever you think of it, it's it's just indicative of the society does not have and those major news stories we'd run about. Oh, someone wouldn't use the correct wouldn't use they wouldn't use a plural pronoun. Remember all that? As I've said, I, I miss I long for and I miss the time when we could sit around and see who was dumb enough to believe that. A couple of guys in MAGA hats put a noose around Jussie Smollett's neck at one o'clock in the morning on a freezing night on the south side of Chicago or just in Chicago yelling, this is MAGA country. Right? Nope. That didn't happen. But that was a major, major news story. Instead, we're in the midst of this. And there are still people who are and there's going to be some focus on you, you can't just only talk about even if you're in the news business, only talk about coronavirus. So I try to make some exceptions for that. But uh, here's Susan Rice taking the position again. I mean, the people that people that pretend to care so much or, or at least I shouldn't say they pretend to care. People that go to extreme lengths to show how much they care to signal their virtue over this virus and the and the the, the, the ravaging of the country that it's doing. And um, those same people will also take time out of their day to lecture you on not calling it Wuhan virus because the politics here hasn't and the politics here haven't changed. So Susan Rice saying that's one thing. I also, though, want to note, why does the Democrat Party in general, why are we seeing so many prominent Democrats who are so willing to swallow Chinese propaganda pretty much wholesale? Just just believe the Chinese government's propaganda and continue to repeat it they are and this this is a this is a statement that i think would be i don't believe an honest person can disagree with this and and i think that there are a lot of liberals who if you push them for an answer they would they would give the answer that i'm saying they would here for a lot of journalists and for a lot of democrats it is uh they should they are more skeptical they are more skeptical of the Trump administration's information about COVID-19 than they are the Chinese government's. They are more willing to believe Xi Jinping and the CCP than they are Donald Trump and his coronavirus task force. I think that that's true. And they would say that's because of Trump lying. I would just say that's because they're Trump deranged and and they're insane. Uh, This hasn't changed. And there's still this... I mean, the, the things that were being said yesterday by Bill Kristol, by a whole bunch of people that goals of mitigation was the whoops. Sorry, I just hit the microphone. Goals of mitigation was the title of the slide they put up that showed the really scary numbers. Goals of mitigation and the um, the way that people were trying to interpret that was, oh, they're saying that 200,000 dead is a goal now. No, what they're saying is that 200,000 instead of 2 million is a goal. That's what the slide was saying if you're being an honest human being, but they don't want to be honest human beings. They just want to dunk on Trump. Whatever it takes, however they can, they will dunk on Trump. And 
that's that is in itself troubling, but it just goes to show you that they, they don't take any sort of glee in slamming the Chinese Communist Party, the government of China, um, which we now recognize, I think, is, is a danger to the world and really is an, an opponent of the United States and increasingly will just become an enemy of the United States. We're not quite there yet. Think of how much they were willing to demonize Russia, though, and how much time was spent in the media making us all focus attention. And, you know, attention matters. Perception perception drives politics. Politics drives action and national security decision making. And, you know, perception leads to war, right? I mean, the media does have a lot of power still, not as much as they used to, but they have a lot of power. And think of all the time they spend making us think about Russia and how, how Russia was such a major challenge for us. We should have all been thinking more about what to do about Russia. And now we're faced with China essentially, maybe inadvertently, but China collapsing the global economy, which is what they've that's what they're doing right now. The Chinese have collapsed the global economy, the Chinese Communist Party. And there's still much more fear and much more anger from the left about Russia because, you know, Hillary should have won the 2016 election than anything you see directed at the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party. That's. That's disgraceful, but it's where it's where we are. And, and I'm, a, I'm a big believer, as you know, in let's let's deal with things as they are. Uh, our media cannot be trusted on these issues. They also cannot be trusted to evaluate their own that to give themselves a scorecard. They mock Trump for saying that, you know, Trump says he's done a good job. But Trump always thinks he's done a good job. That's just who he is. That's in his nature. But the Chinese Communist Party, um, the media will say has been saying in recent weeks that they've that China has been doing a good job with this virus that we haven't. I wonder if they're going to run stories now about how well, actually China is lying and they've had a ton more people killed than they've been willing to tell the world, which is what we're now finding out, which is also why I think there's this panic. I, my guess, I mean, if you want to know, I saw a, a, a report on this about how the intelligence community has information now. I, I think what happened is we, we somehow got wind from some some source. You know, we we caught through I, I, I don't know what the source or method would be, but we, we caught wind of somebody high up the Chinese Communist Party chain talking to somebody somehow and being like, uh, yeah, we got to find a way to hide. We're, we're up to like, you know, 80,000 dead in Wuhan. We, we, we got to find a way to hide this from the people. You would think that journalists that have been hoodwinked, that have been bamboozled, swindled, fooled, you'd think that they would be upset at China. No, they're still more upset at the at the Trump administration. Uh, and also, they want to tell you that they, unlike the Trump administration, they saw this coming all along. Let's examine that proposition. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We, we've heard, Zeke Emanuel, that nobody could have seen this coming. The fact is, everybody saw this coming. Everybody saw this coming in early January. So... I, I know it, it's I, I know you like me. I'm sorry there, Joe, but uh, that's just not true. In fact, I saw an analysis of Joe Scarborough's Twitter feed from January. Uh, I think it was 17 tweets about impeachment, seven about sports, bunch other about politics. You know how many tweets he put out with his millions of followers about coronavirus in the month of January when there was the first U.S. case, a couple of weeks to figure this out. I remember end of January, I was on the Bill Maher show and people weren't shaking hands and we were all talking. Everyone knew that this was a, you know how many tweets? Zero. Zero. 
And doesn't that make you think at some point that maybe he's not telling the truth? Maybe there's a, a problem here. Uh, this, is a, this is a lie that the media saw this coming. Uh, Joe Scarborough's lying about it. Uh, other people, are, they're all trying to rewrite their history right now and claim that it's not, that, that, you know, that this was um, the right called it a hoax. They all knew. They all knew. They're all so smart. And people are dying. People have blood on their hands on the right and Trump because... Okay, um, the, this is just a series of, they're all from this year, so they're all from when we knew this was a crisis, or rather that this was a problem, I should say. Uh, I'm just going to give you a, a series of, uh, of headlines. Um, you know, the national interest. Forget the coronavirus. The flu pandemic of 1918 killed more people in one year than all of World War I. The Daily Beast. The virus killing U.S. kids isn't the one dominating the headlines, not coronavirus. National Post, new coronavirus may be no more dangerous than the flu, despite worldwide alarm. Experts, uh, patch, MD, flu deaths climb as flu more worrisome than coronavirus. Reuters, doctors suggest worrying about the common flu, not coronavirus. This is all from end of January, early February. Um, Washington Post, you're likely to get the coronavirus. Well, if we're likely to get it, then my, my thinking was then a lot of us who are going to get it should just accept that we're probably going to get it and then keep vulnerable populations safe. And then we have herd immunity, right? They were telling us that we we're all likely to get it. Now we're all in total quarantine because, oh, my God, you can't get this because it's going to kill everybody if we if we are too many people if we get this. Uh, I mean, I could go on. This is a whole sheet. It's amazing. It's making the rounds wired. We should deescalate the war on coronavirus. CNN, as the coronavirus spreads, fear is fueling racism and xenophobia. Science, the flu, science alert website. The flu is a bigger threat to people in the U.S. than coronavirus. Here's what to most people than coronavirus. Here's why. AZ Central, new coronavirus is likely to go pandemic, but that's no reason to panic or overreact. I, I just... The, the media was all all talking about they were talking about how Trump is a moron, but don't worry about this thing. He's not going to handle it well and he's a moron. But, you know, this is not going to be that big of a deal. Don't don't overreact. We got this. We talked to the experts. They're all claiming to talk to the experts. Axios, why we panic about coronavirus, but not the flu. I mean, the 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 mountains of wrong on this would dwarf the Himalayas. From the media, from government officials. Oh, here's here's one of my favorite. Speaking of government officials, where's uh, where did it go? It's one of my favorites. I mean, there's that just astonishing, astonishing from January uh, World Health Organization weighing in on this to say that there was no no evidence that there was human to human transmission of this. No evidence of human to human transmission. This thing spreads like wildfire in closed quarters. And increasingly, there seems to be evidence that it spreads pretty well. Um, it spreads pretty well in uh, the air, aerosolized droplets. So I, I just I, I hate this this rewriting of history. You know, if, if, you're, if you're going to work in the information dissemination business, if you're going to be an analyst or a reporter, you should be honest about where you are. Dr. Burke says she thought it would be like SARS. I thought it was going to be like one of those respiratory viruses that we hear a lot about. And there's some bad cases, but it kind of you know, disappears after a while. And then I thought, OK, well, we, you know, we'll give a couple of weeks. We'll st most of the cases will stamp out. We'll get prepared. And then, you know, and now we're being told, no, we're not going back to work. It's not happening for a long time. If you want to go back to work, a whole lot of people are going to die. And 
this is this has been the shift. That is the shift in conversation from the administration in the last week alone. Listen to the experts, they said. Just listen to the experts. That's all you have to do. The experts have got all this stuff covered for you. Um, this is... We're, we're going to look back on this, um, and, and this is the, the virus equivalent of Pearl Harbor or 9-11. I mean, the experts failed on this. And I, I'm sorry, I, I'm upset about this. I'm here in New York. I, I know... Uh, people that are terrified of getting this every single day and people that are tending to those who are dying every day from this. Uh, I'm reaching out. I'm talking to them as often as I can. How are you doing? How's it going? I mean, it, it feels very, very real here, even if you're in just in isolation, even if you're just in lockdown. Everything you touch, every time you walk outside. And I, I want to know, where was the CDC on all this? Really, the CDC was was so good on this. And I'm just going to tell you this. You go back. I mean, Dr. Fauci, I think, is a good man who's trying his best. And he's obviously got a lot of knowledge about this issue. But uh, you, you look back at some of the things that we've been told. OK, should we wear masks or not? We, we were told that wearing masks wasn't necessary. Now they're saying maybe you should wear masks. What have they gotten right about this? That's perhaps the best way to to. To do this analysis, what, what did the media get right? I mean, I'm sorry, not the media. What are the, the expert class, the World Health Organization, massive failure? CDC can't make tests. And really, he's just telling you that you got to wash your hands and, you know, keep a distance from people. Not sure about the masks. Nobody was ready with the stockpiles of masks and ventilators necessary. Don't really know what the mortality rate of this thing is. Certainly don't have a treatment for it or a vaccine. Uh, I mean, most of this, we keep being told, listen to CDC guidance. It's stay locked away and wash your hands and try not to breathe too much. Don't touch your face. That, that they've been steady on. Should you wear a mask? And eh, depends on who you ask. Are we going to have a treatment for this? Who knows? How long will this last? Will there be rebounds? Will there be a second wave? They're not sure. How dangerous is this for people who aren't in high risk age categories and health uh, with health issues? They don't know. Am I am I missing something? And now they're telling us, oh, no, we're not going back to work and accepting the additional risk that would come from that because the risk is far too high because it actually turns out we're not facing something like the flu. We're facing something that based on the numbers is, you know, 20 times worse than the flu season. That's. That's quite a record that the experts have up to this point. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, this is about the last thing we need right now, but it is breaking news today from the president's official Twitter account. Upon information and belief, Iran or its proxies are planning a sneak attack on U.S. troops and or assets in Iraq. If this happens, Iran will pay a very heavy price indeed. I've been worried about this, that our enemies will see us as the massive tortoise that has retreated into its shell and they will be circling and then they will try to strike. Even enemies that themselves are wounded right now. Remember, the, the mullahs, they don't respond to the needs of their own people. They don't care that an estimated 15,000 people have died from COVID-19 in Iran. You're going to feel terrible for Iranian people, Chinese people. Their governments are just just horrific. 
And it's not speaking of horrific governments, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that Chinese have been so terribly uh, dishonest and disgraceful about this whole situation. Remember, when I say the Chinese, just for the record, it's the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. I'm not talking about one billion Chinese who just want to go about their days, love their families and go to sleep at night like I get it. But the CCP is the same organization that, you know, it's the same government that still presides over over a million Uyghurs in concentration camps. They ended, but they had for a long time the one child policy, forced sterilization, forced abortion. I mean, it's a deeply immoral government. It's not even amoral. It is immoral. It is an evil government. And so that means that there's a lot that they're willing to do and a lot that they're willing to justify in their conduct, or rather, perhaps they don't feel the need to justify much of anything. So that's that's where this is right now. Uh, The Chinese government doesn't care that the world is well, the Chinese government doesn't, doesn't care what's happened to its own people as long as it can maintain power. And the Iranian government may be trying to externalize or or, you know, draw attention away from its failures with an attack on U.S. troops. Think about this. The Iranians are getting getting crushed by COVID-19 right now. They're losing people all over the place. And they're assuming the president's tweet is correct. The information is accurate. They're planning attacks on on the U.S. Now, maybe nothing happens here, but they should know better. I mean, I'll tell you this. Anybody that pokes America right now that goes after. I mean, do you think anybody would would question a really heavy response? I mean, the response would have to be more than proportional. The response would have to be punitive. If someone comes after American interests when we are on lockdown from this virus, and I mean comes after us and tries to kill Americans right now, um, our response should be fearsome and should be sending a message well beyond what we would see in normal times. And I would leave it to this administration to figure out what that is. I, I have no doubt that that would also be Trump's Trump's move. You know, governments are run by people and people have emotions and people have Feelings. It's not it's not mechanical. And we are going through the biggest crisis we have had since the Second World War right now. And Iran wants to play games. Be very unwise. Look, there's going to be there's going to be a series. There will be a series of major geopolitical shifts that occur just over the course of this virus. Over the next 12 months, there are going to be things that happen that no one can predict right now. But in retrospect, There'll be seismic shifts that everyone will say, how did we miss that? Maybe it is the downfall of the Iranian regime. Maybe it is finally, you know, my friend Gordon Chang wrote The Coming Collapse of China back in the early 2000s. Maybe the Chinese Communist Party finally comes under real pressure. I think that's unlikely. If anything, they're ascendant and probably in an even stronger position. But we don't know. You know, we don't know. Well, what if the Wuhan numbers are mirrored in other parts of, of China and there's a real popular sense of enough is enough. I, you just again, I'm, I'm telling you that there's going to be major geopolitical shifts over the next 12 months. One of the worst ones for us would be if it turns out that the U.S. is no longer the reserve currency. And I, I know this is a uh, a little bit of a digression from what we're talking about right here. But I just have to think, you know, I, I own some cryptocurrency, not a lot because I don't have a lot of money. I own some cryptocurrency and I just. If if you're not seeing cryptocurrency skyrocket now, you got to wonder when when is that going to happen? This feels like the whole thing was kind of a scam, doesn't it? I don't know. I and mean, some of you are going to get mad at me for saying that, but 
Oh, yes, you know, blockchain technology. Yeah, that's cool. But is cryptocurrency as valuable as, as people were being led to believe a few years ago? Oh, man, those were the days. What was it? Three years ago now in December, and the cryptocurrency was just skyrocketing and the country was at peace and things were good. And I, I think about the first three years of the Trump administration, I, I, almost, I almost tear up. It was such a, you know, we, we've had... The show has been so good. We've grown so fast. I feel like we've done, I've been so proud of the work that we've been putting in here. Um, the work product, I should say. Yeah, everyone works hard. I don't mean that. But I mean, the, you know, I'm proud of what we've done as a show. And it's just been an amazing time in American history and American life. And, and I knew it. And I, I think I told you this. I sat down. I, I told my mother in December Right around when I told you that I had had that, uh, that premonition, which I've played for you on the show, of something really bad is going to happen in 2020. I didn't know what it was, so it's not really that useful. It's kind of like Bin Laden determined to attack America back in 2000. Okay, where, how, and when? But I knew something really bad was going to happen just because things were too good. Things were too prosperous, too peaceful, too happy. And despite all the, oh, Russia, and all the stuff that the libs were yelling about. And I sat down, and I looked at my mom, and I just said... Um, I, I just want to go on. I just want to say this, that my life is is good enough, peaceful enough, happy enough, fulfilled enough that I, I know this will not last. But I if this were my every day, I would want for nothing, basically, you know, and they, I still want a family and kids. I mean, so there's some things that were missing in a sense, but it's just in terms of general happiness and, and it was largely driven, I think, by a sense that we were all this country was in such a good place. There was a, an optimism, a positivity that was out there all over the place. And I bring that up now, one, it's just a point of nostalgia to remind myself and hopefully remind all of you that that is a place where as a nation we have been recently and, and we can get back there. Uh, I don't know how long it will be and it's going to be a struggle. And the same thing I always say about anybody that's having contractors or uh, you know construction repair done of any kind whatever they tell you it's going to be three times that long i think unfortunately that but it's a pretty good rule of thumb i think unfortunately that's going to be true about us getting back to where we were as a country but i also think that we need to be reminded sometimes of how good things have been so that we know that they're not going to stay like this and they can be it is possible to have a country where everyone's wages are going up uh, not everybody, but, you know, in general, wages are going up. We're not at, we're not in any big wars. We're not under threat of major terrorist attacks. We're not suffering from a pandemic. Uh, we're we live in a time of tremendous abundance and security and and amazing food and amazing culture and access and technology. And, you know, that was and, and you know that I was saying enjoy it. Other shows are, man, you know, they're destroying the country and this is terrible and people yelling about everything. You know, that that's what they were doing when things were really good. Uh, I'm I don't do that. I was telling you that things were really good and that we should have enjoyed them. We had struggles. We had fights. We had things that we needed to focus on. But, you know, overall and now I, I can't tell you that I'm I'm worried. In fact, I go back and forth between wanting to tell you what I think is really happening and. And not wanting to just sort of add to that. It's a, it's a delicate balance. I've been talking to the people closest to me about it every day when I go on this show. I mean, I feel such an obligation to those of you who listen um, to the, the 
the huge numbers of people. It's, it's a it's a very powerful and really to me sacred thing to be able to be in the Freedom Hut, and which is now in my home because we all have to be on home lockdown and be able to talk to people all across the country and have you hear my voice and whether I'm rolling along with you if you're driving a truck or a car or I'm in your living room or hanging out in the kitchen while you're cooking and and trying to inform you and just keep you company and you're all keeping me company too doing this feels like this is my human connection right now Um, but I, I try every day to make sure that I'm making the best usage of, of your time every day we do this show. And it's really a challenge right now to hit that balance between where do I think this is going and how do I keep us all feeling positive and inspired to go forward? And, you know, I've had some mornings here where it's been really tough. Um, I've woken up and I've thought, how, how do I approach this one? What do I do? And not just with the show, but you know, we, it feels a little bit like you're, you're in prison in a sense. I mean, it's a very nice prison. You've got your, your refrigerator and your Netflix and your, you know, whatever, but I still have my purpose, which is to do this, but all the other things around in my life, those always enrich this show. And I know a lot of you have the same thing going on. Maybe you're still doing a lot of you're probably still doing your jobs either remotely, or maybe you're going in and you're on the front line in some capacity, either on logistics or the fight against the virus. You know, maybe you're, you're doing all those things, uh, but we're now missing those other, those other components that enrich our day-to-day experience and make us, make us better at the things that we do to produce, make us better at the things that are our work product, whatever that may be, whether it's showing up and scanning groceries, if you're a podcaster yourself, if you're a, you know, a nurse, if you're a truck driver, if you're a, uh, you know, a, a finance guy, whatever, all these things. So there, there's going to also have to be some times here where I just speak to you, you know, from the heart about about what I'm feeling and what I see going on, because I think I think we all need that. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't I, I will not I'll make you this promise. I will not give in to despair and I will not uh, ever come on this show and allow my my concerns about what's happening to mean that. I, I start to take us down a path where I'm leaning on you. I, I'm here to present it, to present you with truth and stories and facts that help you entertain you and push us all forward. Um, but I'm just saying that I never before have I felt like striking the balance between speaking truth and not being a pessimist was so challenging. Um, and maybe this is something I'll return to tomorrow with some more time. Uh, I, I, I know we will win and I feel like everyone's saying this and we need to, it's one of those things you need to keep hearing. You know, you know how, even if you know, you're not, you know, you know, you didn't do the best job in a sports game or something, but your parents are there. And afterwards they say, you know, you did a great job. You know, you fought hard. And even if you know, that's, you know, it's kind of true. Like you did fight hard, but maybe you didn't have the best game. Maybe you missed the, you know, maybe you, you missed a couple of passes you should have caught or you, you know, you, you whiffed at, at home plate, whatever it may be. But you still need to hear that. We all need to hear that we're going to be okay and we're going to get through this, even though we know there are big challenges ahead, big challenges from the virus, from the economy, from the government response to it, our relationships uh, as a society with each other, uh, the strain that this is putting on 
us at, at every level. This is going to be a test like we've never really had before. And I'm also I think I think it's important that we get psychologically geared up for uh, this is this is not even going to we're not even going to really see daylight on this, so to speak, uh, until June. And that's the earliest. And that's when things will maybe start to settle down a little bit. That's really what I'm feeling right now. Now, I've said that for a while. I said on the WOR show, and I think I said it on this show, too. Sorry. Sometimes I can't remember which because I do two radio shows a day now. I can't remember exactly what I've said on which show. But I definitely said, you know, producer Mark and I will be having margaritas on the street in June. Uh, that was a mo- that was at least three weeks ago, I think I said that. And uh, it's looking increasingly like June, maybe July. But June seems like a pretty good start. You know, this end of April lockdown thing. Okay, they're going to bring the curve down, but they're not going to they're not going to open things up in a, in a meaningful way in May and risk and risk having the, the numbers skyrocket again. The only thing that really changed, the only real game changer we have here is if somebody comes up with a real silver bullet treatment against this. If you ever prayed for anything and you and you believe that that, that is helpful for things in this worldly uh, in this worldly kingdom, uh, please pray for that. And th- that will be. I've, I don't think I've ever cried from a news story before, uh, uh, from joy. I don't think I've ever cried tears of joy. We get a treatment that knocks this thing out, and I will go on air and probably talk to you about it, and I'll be crying tears of joy. That's, that's how much of a change it will be uh, for this country and for the whole world. So, and I, there's a part of me that just has to believe that we'll get there sooner than later. Uh, we have so many smart individuals, so much research and work going on, a part of me believes we've got to get there. So that's the most optimistic feeling I have right now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right. Roll call. Let's do it. Uh, JJ kicks us off here um, with, hey, Buck, I see your bobcat and raise you a palace cat. Or is it a palace? Palace. Have you seen them? They're ridiculously adorable looking, but are so vicious, they'll laugh at you as they slowly flay the skin from your face if you do not pet them correctly. Check them out. Thanks for keeping us safe and warm at night. I've never heard of a palace. Have you heard of this, Producer Mark? I have not. Oh. Also called a manual. Manal is a small wildcat with a broad but fragmented distribution in the grasslands and step of Central Asia. Huh. It's kind of like a, like a Mongolian bobcat, sort of. Doesn't people look like these, something I want to People have pet. these as pets? Yeah. Palace cats, uh, this, is, but this is just from Wikipedia. This is not from any real research. Just so you know. So people, if you're like, you're just doing Wikipedia, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do a radio show. I got to tell you something. Palace cats, while adorable to look at, should not be kept as pets. Not only is it difficult for them to survive at low altitudes, but they are truly wild animals. A palace cat kept as a pet would be miserable and make you miserable too. Um, okay, well, I mean, they look they look really cute. I gotta say, it's kind of like a big, fluffy, grumpy cat. Producer Mark, you might have yes. a new pet. You might have a new pet. Uh, no, I don't like cats, Buck. Eh. Hmm. Well, this cat wouldn't like you. How about that? I don't think it would like anybody, Buck. Yeah, I think that's probably true. <laughs> Apparently, they rip your they rip your face off. So. Yep. All righty. Here we go. All right, Ian. Um, longtime daily listener. Just wanted to tell you to, to drop a line and hang in there. I can tell by Buck's tone the first five seconds on Monday that things are getting really bad. 
Hope you guys uh, know that your family's in our thoughts. Yeah, thank you, Ian. It has been very tough here. It has been... Um, Monday was rough. Monday was a rough day. And especially because last week I started to think, all right, we're going to batten down the hatches. We're going to start getting people back to work the 15 days. And then it's, no, no, it's not the 15 days. It's, it's another 30 days. We're not going back to work. We're not taking that risk at all. I, I felt a little bit like whiplash. I'll be honest. That, that was a little, you know, I was like, all right. I was ready to put a face mask on and start showing up to the office again. And I think I thought, all right, this is what we're going to start doing. Nope, not happening. On Monday, you discussed the lack of preparation from the CDC and how we're basically hoping for um, a miracle from the pharmaceutical companies. Oh, wait, hold on one second, Ian. I'm going to I'm going to come back and address the rest of your roll call here in, in just a moment. But, yeah, no, we are. We are hoping for something of a miracle from the CDC. That much is, uh, I'm sorry, from the pharmaceutical companies, rather. That much is, is definitely true. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, continuing with this uh, roll call note from Ian. Um, I agree with your analysis, Buck. Here in Colorado, the drug companies and the hospitals have been the favored uh, attack uh, thing that gets attacked of our Democrat governor. While criticism in specific cases has been deserved, I find it very rich that the industry the left has been demonizing for the last 15 years is now expected to be our saviors. All of a sudden, we don't hear anything about profit margins and drug prices. The irony is rich. It's just unfortunate that it took a crisis like this to expose it. Not that it would ever be pointed out in the corporate media. Um, take care of yourselves. Thanks for continuing your show through all this. I know we'll make it out. I don't know what things will look like when we do, but I know we'll make it. Shields high. Uh, Ian, you're a wise fellow, and I appreciate you writing in, and, and I agree with you that the demonization of Big Pharma, especially given how we are turning to Big Pharma now and saying, please save us, basically. That's really where we are. I mean, the only way that this doesn't stretch really through this year, uh, and I mean till the end of the year, and take us into a place where we're in a slightly better position, but still dealing with this 12 months from now is if pharma comes up. I and mean, we're, we're still this this disease is not just going away and all the talk about mitigation measures and distancing and everything. Uh, I guess we're going to have to keep doing that for six, nine, 12 months, maybe not at the same extreme of shutdown we are in right now. But I, I'm not sure, as I've been saying, well, well, well why not? If the, if the logic is uh, we can't afford it. We're going to lose. We're going to lose far too many lives unless we have the extreme shutdown scenario. OK, well, are we not going to be losing lives in June and July and August? Well, anyway, I, I know. Stiff upper lip. We'll make it through. We'll make good choices. We'll be all right. But, yeah, I I really hope that the people that are studying this and there's some big pharma companies and some of these world class minds that are on it. I hope they realize that this is this is their chance. This is the chance for science to save civilization. Really, that's that's what we're seeing. I don't think we're gonna have a total collapse of civilization over this. That's a little extreme, but you know what I mean. This should be a huge win, a huge huge win. Okay, uh, man, I'm gonna get ahead of myself, but that would be that would be the happiest the happiest thing ever. Um, we should know more about chloroquine and about some of these other treatments that are underway in the next couple of weeks. And even if they're mostly useful, even if they're mostly good, that would be, um, that would be a big improvement for where we are right now. Chad, hey, Buck, great show. Love your use of language. Quick prediction. I see the U.S. handling China, uh, handing China a bill 
for all the costs and expenses caused by the COVID-19 outbreak and all but eliminating our national debt with China. Shields High team, Roy, I mean, or Chad. Uh, Chad, I-, I said this today on the show, so you're kind of getting ahead of where I was, that I could see demands from the international community for China to um, uh, pay reparations, the Chinese government. Now, they won't pay it, but I, I could see a movement toward that, especially as we get more information about just how dishonest the Chinese have been in this process and what that has meant for the world. I, I just think uh, it's, it's very, very clear that the Chinese government is directly responsible for a lot of the carnage and the destruction that we're seeing all over the world. So I, I don't see a way around that. And there's... You know, it's an immoral regime that made an immoral choice. And now we're all paying the we're all paying the price for that. We're all paying the price for it. And, you know, the people that have been saying for a while that China is not some government that we should cozy up to that, you know, who is the first president in decades that wanted to confront China? Let's give credit where it's due. It was Donald Trump. Who was the first president to come along from either party and really say this nonsense with China on the predatory trade practices and all the rest has to stop? It's Donald Trump. Yeah. Remember, they said, oh, the trade war is going to know the trade war didn't ruin us. Chinese government is ruining us right now through this virus. Roy. Hey, Buck, just look at your picture of Sixth Avenue. I moved my youngest daughter from New York City down here to Texas last year. I'm glad we've got her here in Texas. Hang in there, Buck. Listen to you every day. Roy. Yeah, Roy. Thanks, man. Um, I I don't have you know, my whole family's here. We're, we're all in New York City, so we're all in lockdown. Not a not a fun place to be. And, uh, you know, the people who work, you know, maintenance and, um, you know, people who are, uh, you know, the handyman for the building that I live in things. Everyone's wearing face masks now. I don't have a face mask. I got to get one. Go online. I can't find one. Can't buy them in stores. I got to find now. I got to go on the whole after being told no, no face mask. Now it's oh, no, get a face mask. But it's kind of too late. You know, don't hoard toilet paper. I feel like it's only a matter of time before. Oh, sorry. We got about a four week wait on toilet paper now. So if you were a hoarder, you're going to be fine. But the rest of us are going to be, I don't know, taking really like excessive showers every day. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you got your daughter out of New York City. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't think this I don't think New York City is ever really going to be the same because now people now this is real to people and they're not going to want to live in such close quarters. They're not going to want to deal with. The subway. They're not going to want this anymore. That's going to have a huge effect. And we're also getting much more comfortable with with uh, working from home, with telecommuting, with leveraging technology for the purposes of professional productivity. I think that's that's going to have a real mark uh, that leave a real mark or be a real change. Leave a mark. Sorry. That's not really the way I meant to say that. Um, that's going to be a real change. Um, I, I have to see. I have to see where it all goes. Chrissy and Pete. Buck, love the show. My wife and I listen every day. Uh, We are truck drivers all over our great country, hauling medical food and supplies from coast to coast. Life is good. Yeah, different, but good. We know the extended lockdown is hard, but your show Monday was way too depressing. We all get it. It sucks, but you got to stay up with the facts. But also remember, we are a great country. We will survive. There's enough doom, doom and gloom. Hang in there. Life is good. We need to keep doing our job. We need you so we can keep doing our job. Chrissy and Pete, man, I'm, I'm sorry if Monday I was a little too, little too, little too uh, down. 
It was just a tough day here, and it's a tough day here in New York, given what we've been told. You know, the whole city's under quarantine, and, and we got 30 days of this, and it's, uh, it's scary out there, man. I mean, every morning I wake up, and I have this moment where I think, am I breathing okay? Do I have a fever? You know, every morning. And it's not strange. I, I know plenty of people now who have been, in clo- have been in close and continued contact with somebody who has COVID-19. I know plenty of people. So it's just a matter of time before some people that I know have it and I you know hopefully at that point they'll be the hospitals will be better able to deal with this and hopefully anyone I know who gets it won't even have to go to a hospital um but yeah no like guys I gotta say positive it's it's hard you know I, I do a New York specific show and then I also do this show this is you know this is the main show this is my three-hour syndicated broadcast every day and I know for a lot of you you're not dealing with this the same way that we are here in New York so it's it can be a, a bit of a, it can be a disconnect, right? Um, and I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not in the prediction business anymore for sure, um, but I'm not convinced that, uh, I'm not convinced that this is going to spread to the rest of the country the same way that a lot of the authorities, I should say spread in a New York-like fashion to the rest of the country, um, which seems to be baked into some of the models, but m- maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? Rick writes, hey, Buck, yesterday you were talking about the Tiger King. For similar viewing, you might want to check out Fatal Attractions. It's currently on Hulu. It's a series about people who make questionable choices for pets. Tigers, bears, hippos, even a hyena. Interesting stuff. Shields high. Uh, Rick, I saw the 800, or no, the elephant, the elephant in the living room, which is a documentary about a guy who has like disability from back pain and lives in a trailer in Ohio and has two, I think, 800-pound African lions in his backyard. So not somebody that you would generally think would have two full-grown African lions as pets, but he, he does, and that's the show. Um, I've, I've seen, I think, that Fatal Attraction, years ago, I think I saw that Fatal Attraction series. The, the one thing, first of all, Fatal Attraction itself is a movie that every guy should watch. And, and gal, but it's, a, it's, it's kind of instructive viewing. You want to, you know, you see crazy can go bad in, in ways, romantic relationships. It's, it's important to know what's out there sometimes. I'm just saying, Fatal Attraction's a good movie. But uh, of all the animal choices that people make, the one that, you know, of, the, of the exotic animals as pets, the one that I find just... The most mind-boggling is the highly venomous snake. You know, that's oh, and it's, a lot of times, it's like they'll have some some British guy somewhere who's like, oh, he's like, I just really wanted, uh, uh, I wanted a spitting cobra, and I just thought it'd be like a cool pet, and so I went to like this guy online, and like I got it, and then I had a spitting cobra, and oh, then you know, crikey, it just like. It like spat in me eye and then it bit me hand and then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And you're like, yeah, it's a spitting cobra. You don't want that in your home. It's a very, I don't, I don't care if it's in one of those little, you know, they always have it too in like a terrarium with some kind of a top on it. And then they find out that they're, you know, eight foot long killing machine that has the ability in the case of a spitting cobra to shoot venom at a considerable distance directly into your eyes uh, that that's a really stupid thing to have in the home. Yeah, who could have seen it coming, mate? 
it just bit me on and I got the anti-venom and oh man it hurt you're like yeah I'm sure it hurt a lot that would be the last but of these options producer Mark tigers, bears, hippos, hyena you gotta have one you keep asking me this yeah I know because we like to put you on the spot uh, and hear your grumpy noises I don't make grumpy noises that, that was a <sighs> I mean because you're asking me what ridiculous I don't understand why anybody would want anything like that as a pet well, all these people have all of them. I don't no, know why. All of them, sorry. All stick, these people have some. Everyone of them. should stick to dogs, cats, maybe a guinea pig. I've always thought guinea pigs were kind of underrated. They're pretty cute. Mm. Yeah, you don't like them? Are I you mean, are you a their big rats? Are you a their big rats guy? Why would I want a rat in my house? Wow. Guinea pig owners. Address in the subject line your outrage to <laughs> producer Mark's attention. If I want to see rats, I just go on the New York City subway. I think of all those animals, you know, hippos. This is one of those fun trivia questions that everybody knows now. Hippos, I think, um, are the top three uh, for killing people in Africa of all animals. Hippos are very really? dangerous and very, yeah, hippos are very dangerous and very aggressive, uh, which you don't think of because you see, you know, there's Hungry Hungry Hippo, the game, which probably a lot of people are playing these days. Um, but if, if you get near a hippopotamus, they, they run pretty fast on land. And they're large, and they have tusks, and they're really nasty. And they will, they'll do bad things to you. And in the water, they're very aggressive. I've been compared so. to a hippo many a time, but I'm not nasty, and I won't hurt you. Well, and, and whoever said that, I will fight them for you, Producer well, Mark. Well, thank you, Buck. Yeah. Uh, don't let the swoop fool you. I've got some skills. Matthew. Hey, Buck. Just want to let you know that my girlfriend and I have a cat that we named Bucky after the Marvel character. She started calling him Buck Sexton because I listen to you so much. We love you in North Carolina. Keep up the great work. Shields high. Well, that is a huge honor, Matthew. Thank you so much. Hopefully that cat Buck is is poised, suave, sophisticated, wise, but also considerate and well-mannered. That would be a great, a great cat indeed. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Hey, Buck, all those people going after Mike Lindell, they're just jealous because they're not getting the attention he's getting and they're not helping like he is. Shout out to all my brother and sister truckers out there. Shout out to you and Mark. Keep up the great show. Shields high. Well, Jeff, man, thank you so much for being out there on the roads and keeping us supplied. Every time I go to the grocery store here, which is really the only place I go there in a drugstore. That's it. I got two places I can go to get supplies here. And every time I go, I am thankful there is there are stuff on the shelves and it's there because you and your brother and sister truckers bring that stuff here into New York, even though we're under quarantine and, you know, things, things here would get so ugly so fast if people really thought that there was going to be there were going to be widespread shortages of essentials and staples. They would it would get very sketchy already in the NYPD. This is terrible. The NYPD has. Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to remember how many I think it's 2000 close to 2000. Uh, officers who have, Mark, do you know the numbers? I think it, well, maybe it's 1,800 officers who are out. It's some huge number of officers who are out. A lot of them have Corona, have uh, COVID-19, and a lot of others think they might. So well, the NYPD is way down 15, oh, wow, 15%, producer Nick says, of the overall force. The overall force is almost 40,000. So you guys can do the math on that. That's a few thousand who are out. Ah, gosh, that's not good. Angela, hey, Buck, I'm listening to your podcast from yesterday. I'm worried about you. Sorry you're stuck where you are and you're feeling caged in. It's strange here, too, in Southern California. 
but at least we can drive around a little bit, which helps a lot. No destination to go to, but just the fresh air and sunlight are a nice change from being indoors. Anyway, glad you're still able to do the show. Know that we're out here listening. Take care. And this would be a really good time to start picking out what state you're going to move to when all this is over. Yeah, you're telling me, Angela. Um, New York. New York is uh, not feeling like a good choice these days. No, no way around that. Uh, neither New Jersey's in rough shape, too, I would know, because of New Jersey really is. Northern New Jersey feels like all a suburb of New York City. They don't like to think of it that way, but that's the truth. Ed, wondering if you saw Tucker Carlson's piece on Chinese doctors thinking that this Wuhan virus came from the virology lab in Wuhan. You mentioned that about four weeks ago. Yeah, Ed, I've been thinking this all along. As you know, I've been pretty consistent on this. And I did see Tucker's piece and it was excellent and is asking the essential questions right now. And yeah, there you go. Team, also, please do. If you haven't written in before, uh, you guys are my you guys are my team buck cavalry you are the uh, the lifeline that we have to the outside world here in the freedom hunt so please do send us your thoughts facebook.com slash buck sexton even if it's just a line or two also um we'll do a, another facebook live this week in fact i'll do a facebook live uh tonight at nine o'clock eastern how about that right after the uh, syndicated show so i'll do a facebook live tonight and that will be a way that we can all hang out and talk to each other Christy, Buck, a week or two ago, you mentioned the possibility of sporting a man bun. I would advise against that. Also, we would love to have you in Denver, Shields High. Well, thank you so much, Christy. And Denver is definitely a place when I when I flee the Big Apple, when this thing is over, if I flee, uh, Denver is definitely high on my list of places that I would consider a permanent relocation to. I hear such fantastic things about Denver as a city. But it's going to have to compete. You know, there's Denver, there's Austin. Yeah, there's a a few places that will be in the mix. But uh, I do I do hear the most wonderful things about it. Everybody, we're going to be good. We're going to be all right. We will get through. We will endure until next time. Shields high.